Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you with this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You Show. That all sounds so fancy schmancy. We're on um, episode 523 today, and uh, this is all from a home office, very grassroots, no advertising behind it, no nothing. It's all word of mouth. It's all you guys. Um, So I love these moments when life graces us in these unexpected ways, and we have guests like the chairman of the board of directors of the Hormel Foundation, Jeff Ettinger, is with us. And you'll hear from him in just a second, but I just want to just say thank you so much again to everybody who listens and shares our show. We do air live, so this is live and tapes live, and then syndicates out onto places like iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, which is a new favorite of mine, and more. So anywhere where you get your podcasts, listen um, to the Best Ever You show or hashtag Best Ever You. Um, also, a lot of you like to click on websites while you're listening. Um, so thehormelfoundation.com um, is, a, is a great place to kind of look around um, as we are chatting with Jeff. So, Jeff, thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure, Elizabeth. It's, uh, it's just, just cool. <laughs> I love this brand. Um, and I didn't know that there was a foundation that was behind the brand. So this has been really um, fun to Google, fun to look at the website, fun to learn more about you and um, all the initiatives from the Hormel Foundation. I would love to know, um, Just do you want to start with how you became the chairman of the board of directors for the Hormel Foundation? Start with maybe some of your background. Sure, that'd be terrific, Elizabeth. Um, I grew up in California, but came to Minnesota in 1989 to join the Hormel Foods Corporation in the law department. Um, had other roles with the company in marketing and in finance, and ultimately uh, ran one of the subsidiary companies, Jenny O Turkey Store, out of Wilmer, Minnesota, another small town, and ultimately became CEO of Hormel Foods and had that role um, between 2005 and 2016. Um, the Hormel CEO is typically one of the board members of the Hormel Foundation, so I became acquainted with the foundation during that time frame but have had a lot more time to become involved with the foundation's work uh, since retiring from active duty with Hormel Foods, the company. And I've been the chair for the last two years of the Hormel Foundation. Are you having fun? It's terrific. I mean, it's, (laughs) we're we're blessed to have a wonderful community. We're blessed to have a tremendous funding source in the Hormel Foods Corporation. Um, There's a certain percentage of the dividends that go to the community already each year. And so it's a fun task for the board members to then decide, okay, what's the best way to allocate those funds to support the local community each year. And do the funds directly benefit Austin, Minnesota, or does it reach beyond that or just that one town or how does this all, how does this all work? What are you guys most active uh, in doing? Sure. 
So the foundation was created. I'll, I'll have to go back in history a little bit to give a good answer to that. The foundation was created by George and Jay Hormel. George was the founder of Hormel Foods in 1891, and Jay was his son. Um, together, they were the first two CEOs of the company, and lasting over 50 years of the, the first stretch of the company's history. In 1941, uh, with the next generation of Jay's uh, then sons, uh, choosing not to be involved day to day with the business, uh, George and Jay kind of put their heads together and, and wanted to perpetuate as best as possible the wonderful role that the company had in the community, and also to kind of be able to keep the company uh, as protected as possible from you know, outside incursions and, and therefore provide local ownership. And so they created the Hormel Foundation in 1941, and the foundation has three principal jobs. We, we manage the funds for the trust of the heirs of George and Jay and, and provide those funds on a regular basis. We vote of what is now over 48% of the company's stock each year. And so we have a very significant ownership position in the Hormel Foods company. And then the most enjoyable duty is the fact that we get to benefit the local community. And, and so I'm, I'm finally getting back to your question. Sorry, Elizabeth, but it is <laughs> no, for the okay. local community. I have a lot of that, learning that to do, way, so this is great. <laughs> that was the way the trust was established. They're, they're, they were deeply interested in making sure that Hormel still benefited the, the local Austin community. And so that's the way the trust is established, is the primary beneficiary is, is the community of Austin. Uh, we are able to provide funding for other ventures within the Mauer County area, but that's as far as we can go. Okay. Do, now, 2020, is this year any different? It is because I mean, we have our, our annual contributions committee and contributions applications that, that, that are processed on a regular basis each fall. But we did decide with what was going on in, in the country and in our community this spring to establish what we called an urgency fund. So any local entity that was you know, really having a, a particular struggle or had a particular opportunity to help, to help our community address the COVID challenge, uh, we provided the, these funds and have had numerous applications and, and were able to provide on a very quick basis some support in that regard on top of the nearly $9.7 million that we, we gave in 2020 through the normal contribution process. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I've been, I was clicking around um, looking at all of the things that you, um, that you do. And there's, there's three, pretty, there's three really neat programs. Um, do you, do you have, do you want to go into detail more about um, three programs um, that demonstrate the foundation's co like commitment to the community. I, I, I love these the Austin Assurance Scholarship, um, the Austin High School Annex and McPhail Center for Music. That's really neat. And the Austin Community Rec Center. Do you want to talk I'd a little bit more it. about those? Yeah, that, that's amazing. So the Austin Assurance Scholarship is in its second year. It's a scholarship that we provide to all the students in the, in the community of Austin that if they choose to go to our local community college, Riverland, and want to avail themselves of that opportunity, that we will provide tuition and book costs uh, for a two-year program uh, at Riverland. Um, in, our first, in the first year of the program, we had 100, over 130 students uh, take us up on that and, and go ahead and, and attend Riverland under that scholarship. 
Uh, we're waiting for the final count for this fall. Um, you know, it's, it's still a little bit fluid with enrollments going on right now, but they're they're confident that it will be uh, every bit as large in the second year, if not bigger. And and we've committed to do that for a number of years to come now. Um, the company on top of that, I don't know if you saw that in the news, but really a kind of an exciting announcement. They, they, they saw the success we were having in the local community, and they've chosen to expand the program to all of their employees throughout the country. And so wow. any, any, employee, uh, any employee's child of the Hormel Foods Corporation who wants to go to a two-year program in their local community, the company will provide the tuition assistance for that. That's incredible. The, the second project you mentioned was the Austin High School Annex, which is a partnership with the McPhail Center for Music. Uh, the McPhail Center for Music is a Twin Cities-based, uh, long-standing, fantastic uh, yep. institution that, that trains young people uh, in all, all forms of music. Uh, we started the partnership with McPhail a number of years ago, and, and they've been helping provide lessons and, and augmented teaching to our young students here in the, in the community for several years. Kind of together, we had the idea of having a project of upgrading what's called the Annex. It's a building right across the street from the main high school, which has historically housed the music department for Austin High School and for neighbor, the neighboring Catholic school, Pacelli. And so we're, we've been embarked, we embarked on an $11 million project with McPhail to, you know, in essence, create a new state-of-the-art center there that will house both the McPhail program and the high school programs. Uh, that's huh. ready to open this fall. I mean, it's it's under the same, you know, kind of odd circumstances that we're all dealing with. So they're having to kind of gradually ease their way into the facility and make sure they do it on a safe way. But it's a beautiful facility that will benefit our, our musicians in town for many years to come. And then lastly, mm -hmm. the Austin Community mm -hmm. Rec Center is actually the single largest donation that the foundation has made, a $25 million donation. Um we had a YMCA in town that was well used and, and had been well supported for many years, but had had you know kind of numerous patched on additions to it, and ultimately was kind of beyond its its usable life. And so the, the community got together and established a project to create a new YMCA that would be part of an overall community rec center. And we were the leading funder, but the company also provided five million dollars in funding plus matching funds from their employees. And the community at large in Austin donated several million dollars as well. So this is a, a beautiful facility that um, opened at the beginning of February. Again, the timing was you know, ultimately a little challenging in the sense that it then closed again about a month later, but has now reopened on a, a gradual basis and with, with protections in place. And we're, we're confident that as we head into the winter, that's going to be just another really wonderful thing for the local community to have. Yeah. Now, in in the boardroom, are you guys uh, and and women, women and men? <laughs> I don't know who's on the board. I didn't. Um, I I need to look at that a little bit better, um, so I don't want to misspeak. But um, are do you guys come up with these ideas yourselves, or do people apply for assistance, or how does that how does that uh, all work, and um, how do you? What's your role in implementing these? ideas and initiatives sure. hopefully well, that came uh, out right <laughs> i didn't mean to say guys but that's just my sure. that's my speech. absolutely men, 
absolutely men and women on the board. Uh, yeah. There are 19 board members, and we're really kind of a unique board. We're, we're tech, we are a public foundation. So under the rules of Minnesota Public Foundations, the majority of our board are actually the our agents, community agencies that ultimately benefit from the foundation being in place. They are agencies such as the YMCA, the Salvation Army, the United Way, our local school district, our local community college, and so forth. Um, the, in terms of how the kind of process works, it's, there's sort of a dual process. There are a number of agencies on the board that receive support from the foundation on an annual basis. We have a contributions committee that has both agency representatives and non-agency representatives. And so they'll review the applications each, each fall. In fact, we just received them September 1st. That's the kickoff of the process. And by the end of November, we'll have made our designations of, you know, kind of on the regular budget, if you, if you will, related to those funds. And then in addition, the, the three projects we just spoke about and many others over the years have been kind of over and above that. And, and those could well be initiated by board members. They could be initiated by other folks in the community who are not on the board. It's really up to the foundation board to decide, okay, is, is this something that we think is going to be beneficial to the community and warrants having foundation support. And so the three that we've already talked about were, were are recent examples of significant investments that are over and above that annual contributions process. Got it. I just clicked on the board members link finally. <laughs> Sorry. I had you. I, I got you. <laughs> it was, I was more focused on you. But, wow, this is an incredible group of men and women um, from Absolutely. from Bonnie, the former mayor of the city of Austin to, um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it, I'm scrolling still here, actually, as we're talking. Um, so I see what you mean. So you have like a, rep a representative of an entity like Jeff. Jeff Strickler is representing the Salvation uh, Army or the Salvation uh, Salvation of Army uh, of Austin. Um, yes. Yeah. And um yeah, you've got, there's a lot of people on here. Wow, this is neat. Sure. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the website. Great... It, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying it's a great group of folks. So, so about half of them, let's say uh, Emma Alvarado Guerrero, she represents the Parenting Resource Center, and then there are other members such as Randy Kramer. You'll see he's an at-large member, and so he's not he's not representing a specific agency, but he's one of the general at-large board members. Yeah. I find people fascinating. I can't imagine, um, well, I can't imagine actually being in a room with everybody here and all the creative ideas and all the talents and backgrounds and everything. It must be just it really, really quite something. Um, and so uh, people are people have questions as we're talking here. Um, do you mind taking a few questions from people? Not a bit. Uh, Okay, cool. Because people, um, we're we're super conversational. I hope you can you can tell that. Um, and we we love our public asking questions as we're as we're talking and doing the shows. So, people would really love for you to talk more about Hormel Foods as well. Do you mind giving us um, more information about about uh, things that aren't found? You know, that that is separate from exactly the foundation, or should I stick to just the foundation? No, I'd be happy to. I mean, as long as everyone uh, is understanding of the fact I'm not the current manager of the, of the company. My, my role there ended in 2016, but I certainly, after 27 years there, have a lot of familiarity <laughs> with it. I have a lot of friends still there at the company, and, it, and it's obviously a, a critically important entity for the community of Austin. And so even in my foundation role, I mean, we do, we do 
have a close relationship with the company. Um, it's, it's a wonderful company. It's in, in the food industry, we're, we're considered kind of a blend of, you know, historically a meat processor, but one that has always had a significant presence in the grocery aisle dating back to such legacy products as Spam Luncheon Meat and Hormel's Chili and Denny Moore Stew and Hormel Pepperoni, those types of items. Uh, in recent years, has grown significantly both through new product introductions and through acquisitions. And so uh, the acquisitions would include such new wave products as Justin's Organic and Natural Almond Butters, uh, Applegate, uh, Antibiotic-Free Meats, uh, as well as Skippy Peanut Butter as part of the portfolio now. Hormel mm-hmm. uh, Foods is a very significant Mexican food portfolio that's part of a wonderful partnership we have with uh, two companies that are, are from Mexico. So we have both American-made products and authentic products made from Mexico as part of that venture that's sold in the United States. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I grew up in Iowa, and I am super familiar with all of that, <laughs> especially Dini Moore, Dini Moore stew and uh, chili and, and all of that. So in spam, um, totally, totally know all of it very, very well. Um, so do you have a favorite? Oh, you know, that's really hard to pick. It's, <laughs> that's not uh, fair, it, is it? <laughs> just, I mean, I, I mean, to be the one I probably enjoy the most often is Skippy peanut butter because that's pretty much a morning regular for me. So, but <laughs> Yeah. But there's several others that I enjoy very much as well. Yeah. The um, the one thing I noticed I was doing, you know, again, I was Googling and clicking around and all this stuff, and I noticed there was like a, a 125th, I don't know how long ago this was either, so help me out here, but 125th uh, anniversary celebration, and there was this amazing video. All you guys, everybody got together. What That's was, amazing. Elizabeth, that was the most fantastic event. It was, you know, you're always gambling when you do an outdoor event in, in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. uh, in the summer, it's better in the winter for sure. But for the <laughs> summer of 2016, we, we had, you know, kind of a multi-block party that the entire community was invited to. There were booths and games and, and various musicians. Uh, the band Perry performed uh, on, an, on a stage that was built kind of on a grass field right in the middle of town. And it turned out to be the most beautiful night and the most magical night in terms of just the whole community getting together and, and really enjoying uh, the opportunity to kind of just celebrate. Yeah, it, it looked like a blast. The, the, I got a kick out of the Hormel hug. Did you, did you <laughs> uh, see that on the video yep. at all? <laughs> that was adorable. Yep. Uh, too yep. funny. Um, yeah, no, that, that looked like a blast. All right, let's go back on track a little bit. But thank you for asking a few questions and, and having some fun with us. Um, do you, is it too late for, um, to apply for, this is another question actually from someone. Is it too late to apply for a grant for 2020? Well, our, question makes sense. Yeah. Yes and no. <laughs> I mean, the, the normal, the process through the, the normal grant process, the, the deadline is September 1st. And so that kind of just did pass. Uh, we do still have the, the urgency fund in place on a local basis. And so those applications we are continuing to accept and indeed just received a couple of them that we'll, we'll be talking about as a committee next week. And then in terms of these, you know, kind of larger projects that we sometimes get involved with, those, those are less rigidly fixed to the September 1 deadline. And so, you know, we, we kind of entertain those at different times. All right. Uh, and is this, would you consider donating outside of the community to something more national or 
just I think we kind of covered that, but if you want to touch on that again, that'd be really helpful. Sure. We really, I mean, we really can't, Elizabeth, is the bottom line to it. The way the trust was established, it was very specific in the language that it had to be benefiting the local community. We are able, however, to collaborate with the company because the company is not under any such restriction. And indeed, for example, that scholarship program I just mentioned to you, that, you know, they were able to take that program national, even though we couldn't have. Right. Yeah. And um so with a with a little bit of time left here, uh, can we get to know you personally slightly better? Because we're the best ever you show and we're all about helping um, people be their best. And one of the things I've noticed in doing so many of these shows now is that somebody is always listening who wants to know how you got to where you are and what you what steps you made to be where you are were you like this as a child <laughs> you know all the things Did, was there something else that you wanted to do when you were in kindergarten you know those types of questions can we go down that sure. path with you for a little bit just career yeah, corner absolutely. <laughs> okay sure. all right i'm going to start back in kindergarten what was <laughs> jeff like in kindergarten <laughs> where'd you go I to kindergarten i would get in trouble for talking too much in class <laughs> Really? I'm mad mean, about kindergarten, but definitely I, I know that from from my mom and dad over the years and looking back at old reports, I was a little bit of a talker. I grew That's up fun. in Los Angeles, so so mostly in Pasadena, California, uh, through public schools the entire time. I graduated from John Muir High School in Pasadena. Um, I then graduated college and law school from UCLA. Um, started practicing law and getting involved with a friend in a private business venture and kind of found I liked business, even though my degree was in law. Um, So when the opportunity came with Hormel Foods, it was in the law department. My credentials I I thought were stronger in law, but I did want to try to go to a company where there might be an opportunity to move to the business side. Um, You know, I can't say I had some grand plan to end up as CEO, but I, I certainly was provided some wonderful opportunities with the company and, and was grateful for the, the different learning opportunities I had along the way. And that's, that's where it ended up. But I, I often got asked by younger employees at, at Hormel about, oh, you know, career paths and are, you know, are there certain things that you should be, you know, planning out 30 years ahead of time? And I, I, I mean, there just wouldn't have been any way that I could have ever envisioned growing up in, you know, suburban Southern California that, for example, when I was managing Jenny, oh, I'd be walking around in turkey barns, you know, in coveralls and whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah. who would have guessed that the California boy would be doing this in rural Minnesota? So, I, so no, in my case, I would never have been able to guess a career path with what I ended up. But Hormel Foods is a company that is loves promoting from within and loves providing broad opportunities for people to to do multiple things with the company. Our current CEO, Jim Snee, also has had several roles within the company, ranging from sales to marketing to logistics to purchasing. And so, you know, that, that that's a little bit of a unique opportunity that Hormel provides. Yeah. Do you believe in mentors and who has I'm mentored sorry? you along the way? Do you believe in mentors and who has mentored you along the way? Oh, I totally believe in mentors. Um, so Joel Johnson was the CEO before me. Um, Joel gave me the opportunity to move out of the law department and and take an opportunity in marketing, which had been his discipline coming up, um, both prior to Hormel and with Hormel. 
Um, I learned a great deal. Actually, we, when I moved up to the Genio organization, we, we, there was an acquisition that occurred the next year. We, we ended up merging with another turkey company, and the founder of that company came on board, and we kind of co-ran it for a couple of years, and that, that, his name was Jerry Jerome, and I learned a lot from Jerry mm-hmm. as well in, in regard. Um, Dick Knowlton was the CEO of Hormel Foods before Joel, and he's just a legendary personality and, and, and somebody who we just coincidentally have houses next door to each other in Austin. So uh, he's somebody we stayed in touch with even long after he retired, and, and uh, he, he's somebody else I would consider a mentor to me. Yeah. Do you um, – what do you think about lifelong learning? And um, sometimes people think that they need to – act like they, they know it all to get, you know, to where they want to go and, and all of those things. Is it better to be confident in know, acting like you know it all or to be more of like a lifelong learner or some mixture of both? <laughs> I think the, the latter is more important. I think it's to be open to learning new things, to recognize what you're maybe not as experienced at or maybe not as good at. When I made the move from the law department into marketing, one of the things Joel Johnson mentioned to me is he says, you know, you'll have succeeded when folks forget that you were in the law department, that they don't see you as a lawyer anymore. <laughs> and you know, so I'm I married had, to a lawyer, so I get it. <laughs> yeah, that was a, you know yeah. that was not a typical career path. Okay, all the marketers weren't normally from the law department. But yeah. so moving in there, I you know I had a, the disadvantage of most of the marketers, for example, had been had spent. Ex- extensive time in the sales field. And so I really spent a lot of effort trying to get out in the field, work one-on-one with a different sales manager, learn from them. This thing when I had the opportunity to manage in the finance area, to work one-on-one with our head of the tax area and the credit area and the cash management area, it's, it, you know, it's fascinating and really important opportunity to, to learn those things. Um, can I keep going a little bit more? Because it's it's wonderful to get some sure. insight, and I bet this is really going to help a lot of people um, as they think about just life in general. How important do you think people are? These are kind of broad questions. I get it, but just a little bit off the top of my head here and there too. But how important are people to you? Well, I mean, it's it's the thing people ask me. I, I suppose most folks, once they're retired from their principal occupation, get asked kind of, well, "What do you miss?" And you know. I, I don't miss having to hit the numbers each month or each quarter, but I do miss I do miss the people a lot. I mean, it was a it was just a fun group, a dedicated group, hard of hardworking folks, and you know you still see them, but but it isn't a different relationship now. You know, the the analogy I gave was I felt like I kind of had graduated, and now I'm one of the alumni in the stands cheering on the folks who are still on the field playing and and definitely caring if if they do well. Yeah, sometimes that's a, a little bit of a break in a way, isn't it? It's kind of nice because you can just relax from stress a little bit. I'm I'm guessing. Um, how do you manage stress? What are like what are outside interests for you? If, if you don't mind sharing with us, that's one thing we talk about a lot on Best Ever You because we we focus a lot with people on world class excellence, and um, to maintain world class excellence can be you know a whole lot of managing stress. Well, for for me during my time with the company, I mean, the, the, I, my wife and I also have four children, um, <laughs> and they were growing up in the Austin community while I was in in the various roles with the company. And so, 
you know, my time was dedicated to both the company and the family. It, it, it's nice being in a small town and being part of a company that's very supportive of your family time. And so it was enjoyable to be able to go to the different events of the, of the kids and so forth. In terms of, you know, on the personal side, I'm kind of a more of a walker than a runner these days. I get out and do that. Um, I, I kind of started laughing when you brought the question up because I, in theory, one of the stress release things I, I do is play golf, but it actually seems to create more stress than it relieves. So, <laughs> I've heard that one before too. <laughs> yeah, not That's sure hilarious. If I'm accomplishing what I should be there, but yeah, yeah. Um, I call myself a wogger. I'm like this wannabe runner, but it ends up just walking. So it's wogging to me. Um, all I, right. It's, I got this with it that it's like I just. I really never enjoyed running and I do no, enjoy walking. You just sort of take, you take in your environment as you're going by. So it's kind of like, I'm at the point. It's like, okay, why, why do the unenjoyable part? I'll just do the walking <laughs> part. Yeah. There's, um, there's two things that I don't do very well. One is golf and one is ski. Um, both are just like, I, I don't know. My, I just was raised in Iowa, I guess. And I, I, somebody tried mm-hmm. to teach me golf one time in high school, but as far as skiing goes, yeah, no. Um, so I get it with running too, but yeah, it's pretty funny, but yeah, but uh, what about, um, I wanted to, I wanted to talk to you more about, let's go back to the foundation and then we'll, we'll wrap up here a little bit. Let's, um, what is, what, what haven't I asked that we should know more about the foundation? We've given the website, we talked a little bit about the board and what you guys do. Is there, is there, I keep saying that, sorry, what the board does, I'll rephrase my, my conversation, my candid conversation um what else should we talk about there is there anything we missed that we should cover just want to make sure i just i just think it's it's really nice that the foundation has such a broad array of not only representation but of involvement in the community um i mean that that you know we talked about kind of the contributions process but ultimately the list of recipient agencies or recipient projects is, you know, kind of definitely a, a hundred items long. And so it's, it's a very, it's a great chance to broadly impact the community. I'll tell you one thing that we were involved with recently that both Bonnie Reitz, who is the vice chair of the former mayor that you mentioned earlier, and myself mm-hmm. were, were really gratified to be part of was uh, we, we hosted a community listening session uh, in the aftermath of some of the, you know, police interaction incidents in the country and just kind of race relations. And we wanted to sort of give folks within the Austin community just a chance to talk about those issues. Our community has changed significantly over the 30 years that I've lived in the town, and it's, it's a wonderfully diverse community nowadays. Uh, but these little sessions, in fact, we just published an op-ed related to them that your listeners may want, could, could, could go look up in the Austin Daily Herald newspaper um, mm-hmm. for some of the input we received from community members. And it was mostly very positive that our community members have had positive interactions with law enforcement, that they believe in mutual respect between law enforcement and the community members, and that Austin has really, in part because of support from the foundation, has had a chance to really put itself out there as a welcoming community. Good. Yeah, I, I love that. I, um, I, I'm going to just let that rest and, and cause you said it so perfectly. Um, and anything else? Because I, I just, I think I want to direct people back to the website. Um, 
and and so forth so that if people want to uh, become involved it's the hormel foundation.com um, do you I noticed here's one thing I noticed I noticed you, the foundation isn't on that I know of on social media I could not find you on Twitter or Facebook uh, or is that is there a reason for that I just wanted to make sure because I, I couldn't find it to connect and if it's there I want to make sure I do I don't think we do. I mean, we do. Maybe we kind of tend to have a little bit lower profile. I'm not even sure we had a website until not that many years ago. But uh, <laughs> uh, it, you know, it's it's. I think we, you know, the the company is is certainly one public face of the Hormel name. Okay. Uh, you know, at the risk of confusing your listeners even further with various Hormel things, there is one other entity that does have more of a presence that they might be interested in learning about, which is which is also a a supported agency of the Hormel Foundation. And this is called the Hormel Institute. It's a world-class cancer research institute that's right in the community of Austin that over wow. the years has received significant funding, you know, through the dollars we get from the company and then can in turn provide to the institute. Um, there's just a, a new executive director was just named who's, who's coming on board at the institute and, and they're involved in exciting research uh, related to cancer. So important. That yeah, that's um, and is I'll you know what I'll do um, instead of asking you all of that information as well maybe we could do another show on on that and I will make sure and I'll link that information to this show as well in case people want to look at that because there's so many people um, that have that are suffering with that and my um, my co-author of one of my books her husband just passed away from cancer um, mm-hmm. oh. in July um, so yeah we're we're always looking out for for things that help us in that direction as well well um it has been so wonderful to get to know you better and learn all about the hormel foundation um if i I hope that you will come back again or maybe write something for our website um anything that you guys want any way that best ever you can can support um what you already doing what you're already doing just let us know um we we love that we do um a, a lot here and there with the v foundation as well well, thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. It's exciting to be part of your live show. Yeah, thank you. All right. So um, we're very grateful for Jeff for being here. And, um, again, he's the chairman and board of directors of the Hormel Foundation. If you caught us late here, though, which I saw a bunch of people just joined. I'm sorry. I know we had a little bit of confusion with the, the timing. Um, the Hormel Foundation is a nonprofit 501c3 organization that was established in 1941 by Hormel Foods Corporation founder George should I put the A in there? A Hormel and his son, Jay. Contributions mm-hmm. from the Hormel Foundation directly benefit the Austin, Minnesota area. Um, go Minnesota. I'm a Minnesota girl. My whole family lives in Lakeville, so this is really special to have um, this show, too, just, just from that Minnesota tie-in. But the Hormel Foundation ranks fourth in annual giving among Minnesota's largest community public foundations and public charity grant makers. That's amazing. So go to the hormelfoundation.com and um, we're just grateful. Thank you again, Jeff, for for sharing. It it was fun to get to know you and learn more about um, this wonderful organization. Thank you again, Elizabeth. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Take care and have a great day. It's a great day to be your best. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.